you, Katie and Anna. What a blessing that song is. What a blessing for siblings to be able to stand together and sing together. And uh, I'm always amazed by that. Uh, and so we're pleased this morning to worship. I was listening as I was had finished baptism and I was making ready to come down. And um, I don't move as fast as I used to. And when I heard Brother Ben speaking, I thought, hmm, something's up. <laughs> so uh, I may or may not be fully dressed. But anyway, <laughs> uh, this morning, uh, Numbers chapter 21 will be our text. And, uh, you know, we hear a lot of talk when people are asked about their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if you ask someone, are you going to heaven? And you'll hear a lot of different answers. Sometimes people begin to invoke their faith, using faith as a noun and not a verb. They'll say things like, oh, my faith will get me through. My faith. Well, faith's no greater than its object. Last Sunday, we looked at the heart of the gospel, which is grace, God's unmerited favor. Paul told the Ephesians, for by grace are you saved. It's not of ourselves. He even says that in the verse, but grace, God doing it for us. But he goes on in that verse, For by grace are you saved through faith. And so some have magnified faith. They have made faith, in faith, the object of their salvation. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not faith in faith. It doesn't matter. You know, I've heard some, well, I've got more faith than you. Probably so. But what is the object of your faith? So this morning I'm looking at what I'm calling the hallway to the gospel. When I was a student at Blue Mountain College, my, my last uh, junior and senior year finishing up at, in college, I was a youth minister at Harrisburg Baptist Church in Tupelo. And I had an apartment in Tupelo. I was really big, I thought. I had my own place. But there was a night my senior year, or I think it was even the last semester, that I had to be on campus uh, a little bit more in the evening time for something. And so I made arrangements that I would stay in one of the houses uh, that ministerial students lived in, but there were no rooms. And so I thought, that's fine, there was an extra bed, I was just going to put it in the hallway. Folks, a hallway is not a room. And you get... 18, 19, 20-year-old college students, even preacher boys, going in and out all hours of the night. You don't rest. I eventually moved the bed into the kitchen of that little house and actually used the stove for a heater. Uh, not very smart. But a hallway is not a room. Faith is not your Savior. Having faith, what does that mean? What is the matter of this hallway to the gospel, as I'm calling it, the entry to the gospel? 
what, what is that manna? Well, faith is not the living water. It is the conduit, the pipeline to the living water. Faith is not a noun, it's a verb. So I ask you this morning, do you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? For by grace are you saved through faith. The conduit. By grace, through faith. So important that we get that right. And it was such a matter that Jesus used it in that great conversation with Nicodemus. In describing to Nicodemus about being born again, in verse 14 of John chapter 3, remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus as an illustration? He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. That's Numbers chapter 21. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Faith, my friend, is not the noun, it's the verb. Faith is the hallway, the entrance to salvation, to the good news that Jesus took your place on the cross of Calvary. So let's look at this illustration that Jesus used, Numbers chapter 21 and verses 4 through 9. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread, manna. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that He may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Let's pray. Father, may you bless this reading and hearing of your word. Lord, may you grant to those today who would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ eternal salvation. May they look to Jesus and live. May you give us clear understanding of saving faith, that we not trust in faith itself, that we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was lifted up on the cross to die and bear our sin, pay our penalty fully and completely, and was buried and raised on the third day. Thank you that we have a risen Savior. May He be exalted today in these moments, for we pray in our Savior's name. Amen. I want to give you just four simple words that I believe will guide us through these verses in Numbers chapter 21 and help us to understand that faith is the hallway, the entrance 
to salvation, to the good news that Jesus died in our place. The first word is the word sin. S-I-N. It's not what a lot of people want to talk about today. You'd probably rather hear how you can be a good husband, how you can be a good wife, how you can be a good son or daughter. You may have come to church seeking for something about how to be a good student at school. This morning I want you to know what the Bible teaches and what I've come to understand and many, if not most in this room, have come to understand. We are sinners. Just as Israel, look at their sin. Look at what they did, verse 4. I want you to see the gravity of their sin, Israel's sin. They had journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of of Edom. This was a long way. This was difficult for them. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. God had provided miraculously for them in manna. And they're complaining. The soul, verse 4, the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. One translation says they became impatient. Is not sin at its core A matter of impatience. We can't wait for God's way. We want it now, our way. They said, if we could just go this way, it would have been quicker. If you take a map and trace the route that they took, there was wandering. And their grumbling, their complaining, their unbelief is why they wandered. But here we see they were discouraged. They were impatient. They wanted to go their own way. That's what sin is. It's you, it's me wanting to go our own way. It's disregarding God's way. Every one of us, all we like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. That's sin. And so they complain. And what did they do? Verse 5, they spoke against God. God was sending them manna from heaven to feed them. A miraculous food. A miraculous gift. Yet they complained. They disrespected and they were irreverently speaking against God. Think about your own life. Is that not what we do when we go our own way? God, I'll, I'll handle this. I, I, can, I can make it on my own. Not only were they speaking against God, they spoke against God's servant, Moses. They accused God of having a lousy plan. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They, 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 they didn't like Moses because he was striving for them to follow God's plan. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Would they have died in the wilderness? Well, they did because of their unbelief. But as long as God said they would live, they would live. Sin. They doubted God's ability to provide for them. There's no food. There's no water here. And we hate this miraculous bread. We hate this manna. God, you've given us a miracle, but we're tired of it. God, you've given us life, but I'll run it my way. Sin, sin, 
Even though He was the rock that would provide water for them. Even though He's the bread of heaven. We go our own way, don't we? Sin. And they ungratefully denigrate God's provision in the wilderness. We loathe this worthless bread, this worthless food. That that food sustained them. That food was given by God. And yet it was not what they wanted. Many of us, that's the definition of sin in our life, is it not? God, I'll go my way. It's better. I don't need what you've miraculously given or provided. We don't acknowledge God's power. We don't appreciate His generosity. We don't recognize His mercy. We don't accept His sovereignty. We don't trust His Word. That's what they did. It's all rolled up into one. But every time we sin, that's what we do. Sin. Every time we sin, we decide we... We decide that we're going to do it our way, not God's way. Same thing as Israel. Do you see the gravity of their sin? All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone's turned to his own way. Are you a sinner? The Bible says so. Have you acknowledged your sin before holy God? There's a second word I want you to see. Verse 6 talks about judgment. Sin, their sin of disrespect, disregard, lack of trust, irreverence toward holy God, their sin would be judged. Verse 6, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. These serpents, I I don't know, I've tried to think on this subject, Were the serpents there already and God was just holding them back? Well, it says that God sent them, but I mean, there's a way to think of that language. I mean, He could have, He was holding them back, then He sent them to get them because of their sin. It was judgment. I don't know, I'm straining at an ad, I guess, in in that matter. But uh, uh, they, they thought, they thought, things are bad. We're having to eat this miraculous manna. God, we're, we're, we're tired of Moses leading us. Send us a more charismatic leader. And they're shaking their fist in the face of God. That's sin. And so God sends them judgment upon their sin. Sometimes we think, God, it's bad. We've got to eat this manna. <laughs> it's bad. We're, we're tired of the leaders you've sent us. It's bad, God. And the Lord says, oh, okay, and He releases His protection. I don't know if he, if he was holding the snakes back or if He sent them miraculously, whatever. God says, you think it's bad? You think you've got adversity now? Look at this. Watch this. And the serpents that bit the people, the people died. Bad things, <laughs> they go to worse. They gripe at God because of their adversity, and so He sends them judgment. A great warning to us about complaining, griping toward God. Sometimes He teaches us the greatest lessons 
when we ignore the little things that he's trying to teach us, the little trials that come our way that he wants to refine us, then he releases. But in this matter, we see, and as Jesus used this to teach about faith in Christ, there's judgment because of their unbelief. One writer, I thought this was a great quote, said, Our crosses and trials, the hard providences that come into our lives, our crosses and trials only get heavier if, we, if all we are is bitter about them. Our crosses and our trials that come into our life only get heavier if all we are is bitter about them. Maybe that's a lesson you would gain from this, but I think there's a greater lesson. As God uses this adversity to teach them something. It's judgment. Judgment. Was it instant death? Well, not necessarily because some that had been bitten, and we'll see in a moment, could look and live. But what do we see of this? Well, there's judgment for sin. Our sin has to be judged. It'll either be judged in the person of Christ on the cross of Calvary, it'll be judged in your own life of eternal damnation, eternal judgment in a devil's hell. I'd plead the Lord Jesus. I'd turn to Him for mercy. Have you acknowledged your sin? Do you know that there's judgment for sin? Well, let's move on. The third word is the word response. Look how the people respond to this judgment. They have a change of mind. Before, they're fed up with Moses. But look at at verse 7. Then the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. This, my friend, is a change of mind. This is what's called repentance. They now see Moses, and Moses is a Christ-like figure in this matter. Moses is the intercessor, the mediator that goes before God for them. They turn to him and say, we have sinned. They acknowledge their sin. And then they get specific. Oh, we're good at acknowledging sin, but do we get specific? They said, we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Their response was one of repentance. And they turned to an intercessor, a mediator. They turned to Moses and said, pray for us, intercede for us. That, my friend, is what you and I, in order to be saved, must do. Have that change of mind that God... Doesn't hate us. He's not out to get you. He loves you and He provided salvation in Christ. Turn to Him and believe. God used this trial to move the people to repentance. And it was His mercy to get them to look to Him. And they confessed their sin specifically, acknowledging that we've spoken against the Lord, we've spoken against you. And and then they acknowledge that Moses is God's appointed mediator. Jesus Christ is our mediator, our umpire, our intercessor, interceder. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
And they acknowledged that only God could give them relief. Verse 7 says, So Moses prayed for them. Three words thus far. Sin, judgment, response. I've sinned, you've sinned, we're sinners. Have you acknowledged that? Judgment. God will judge sin, either in the person of Christ on your behalf or in eternity in a devil's hell because you reject His provision in Christ. How do you respond? Lastly, the fourth word is mercy. Look what God does, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. Look and live. God gives a solution. There's no human explanation of how the very symbol of that which had bitten them, that which had brought judgment to them, there's no no explanation from a human standpoint of how that bronze serpent, that brass serpent on a pole could give them life. No way that you can explain that apart from a merciful, miraculous, sovereign God. In the minds of most unregenerate, unborn, unchristian, unborn again, non-born again people in our world, there's no explanation of how Jesus could save you from your sins. Oh, but it's not a matter of human explanation. It's a matter of divine intervention. It's a matter of God saying, if you'll believe, look and live. Moses made the serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who looked at it, verse 9 says, if anyone, a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Can you hear the sound in the the camp? Can you hear the wailing, the, the misery of grief from tent to tent? They're, 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 they're crying, they're screaming because they've been bitten. Someone said, I went to this doctor and he said, take this pill and it'd be okay, but he, my, my, my spouse died, my child died. Eyes are red, cheeks are, 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 are blistered from the, the, the tears that have been shed because they were bitten and there was no hope. Finally, somewhere, somehow, someone screams, A cure! A cure! And in one little tent, there's a, there's a mother that's already buried a father that's been bitten by the serpent. There was no cure then, but now she hears those words. And someone runs in her tent and says, Your son does not have to die. She says, Bring it to me. Give me the medicine and I'll give it. No, it's not that. Come, look. And live. Look and live. Oh, I don't believe that stuff. That's hocus pocus. That's that's just myth. No, others have looked and lived. Moses says this is God's way. This is Jehovah's way. Look and live. And that mother 
with the help of others, brings that son. And, and with weak eyes, he looks to that serpent. And the fever diminishes. And the, uh, his eyes open and they're clear. And he has strength. And that son can now walk. He can now run. He can now live. But he had to believe. It's faith. Not in faith but in the remedy, in the merciful solution. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus talking to Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel. And, and, and in that, if that be the part of that conversation, the ending of, well, the middle of chapter 3 of John, before he said that that we all know, God so loved the world, he said this, Even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, be lifted up. Must. You must be born again. The Son of Man must be lifted up. And so Jesus was saying it's the same way. Look and live. You may say, well, wait a minute. I know a little concoction that we can mix together and rub it on, a, on, on the serpent's bite and it'll make you live. No. No, it won't. God says, look and live. We sang... Thankfully, we sang, my faith looks up to thee. That's what that song's about. We're looking up to the Lord Jesus Christ who was lifted up on a cross. And there's a difference where that serpent, a bronze serpent, bronze was a, brass was a symbol of judgment. That was a picture of God's judgment. But when we see Jesus Christ looked up, lifted up, it's not a picture of anything. It is the work of redemption. It is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Trust in Him. Not in your faith. Not in, not in some concoction that you've come up that if we'll do these three steps, it'll make us better. Look and live. Have you done that? Every family has been affected. Just in Israel, think about all that were affected. Everyone. And the, and the solution? Look and live. Sin, judgment, your response, God's mercy. Have you looked to Him? Faith is not the room. Faith is the hallway to the room. Faith is not the noun, it's the verb in the matter of saving faith. Faith isn't the water of life. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to Him and live. Let's pray. If you're here this morning and you've never looked to the Lord Jesus Christ, young or old, I invite you today to look to Him. Like me, you're a sinner. You fall short of righteous standard that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the sinless one. You fall short, I fall short. God judges sin. The good news of the gospel is that He judged my sin in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Do you know that to be so for you? Are you looking to Him to live? Young people, as you go back to school, do you understand 
At the heart of the gospel is grace and the hallway to the gospel. The entrance to this relationship is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace through faith, you are saved. Father in heaven, we pray this morning that you'll move and work in hearts. Lord, it's your divine will to do just that. Father, may we be obedient and respond in a way that glorifies you and blesses your church, builds up your people here. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.